Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Views and opinions expressed by Kyle Zagrodsky are his own and do not necessarily represent OsteoStrong. Welcome to another edition of the Unbreakable Me podcast. I'm here today with Rebecca Keat, also known as Beck, to her friends. So I'm going to call you Beck today. I have Beck here because she really epitomizes the concept of the unbreakable lifestyle. She is a world-class champion who's received over 30 podium awards in triathlete and Ironman competitions. She's set world records for the fastest Ironman time and just a complete an utter athlete through and through. Um, she and her wife, Siri, now actually run one of the number one triathlete training clubs in the world and dedicate their contribution, their time to their charity that they created, Believe and Rescue Ranch, where they go out and save horses from slaughter. And it's a really cool because um, I've followed them since they really started this uh, they're in, and the, what they do to go select horses and care for them and nurture them is really representative of the heart of both of them. And so I wanted to bring Beck on today because I know that, Beck, uh, it's funny about like triathlete and Ironman. I remember when all this got started years, decades ago, it was just this kind of intimidating thing. Like who in the world would run a a marathon followed by, you know, I don't know if the, even the order of the, the two and a half mile swim followed by a, you know, 110 plus mile bike ride. And I'm like, it, it's just overwhelming and mind boggling. It's something that most people can't relate to. I know that I can't relate to it. I don't have any desire. I think about it every once in a while. I thought, my gosh, how would I even set aside the time to do that? But one thing that makes you really exciting to have on today is that I'm fascinated by is this idea of the mind of a champion. And, and I think that people want to hear about that and how that relates to the rest of your life, how you've used it to pivot in your life. And then ultimately, I think another way of putting it is the, the mind of mastery and how you approach things. So welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to see you here. Oh, welcome, Carl. I never forget, we got to have lunch with you on our first ever date with Destiny back at the, I think, the end of 2016. And you were talking about this business. And, you know, typical, we we're just like, I don't know what he's talking about. I don't really understand it, but it sounds interesting. And then look at you now. So that's pretty yeah. cool. And then look at our businesses now and our charity. So yeah, pretty so amazing how far we've come. It's, it's uh, super fun because I actually met Beck and Siri at a Tony Robbins event, a date with Destiny. And it's funny because so people who work with Tony or friends of Tony or celebrities, they get the front up row seats. And so I didn't really know who you guys are. You didn't know who I was. Um, I was supposed to have uh, the, the partner that I was supposed to go through date with destiny with, cause you're supposed to go through with somebody. Um, he was uh, the Iceman, the MMA fighter, and oh, he was supposed to be yeah. there and he didn't show up. Uh, so it was kind of funny. And I, so I ended up glomming onto you two a lot, hanging out with you, going <laughs> through a lot of stuff. And it, we had a lot of fun. So it was, uh, it was a great experience. And, and we both, and everybody I know who goes through that event, just, you can't say enough about it. You can't even describe it to people. It's like, just go. It'll be the best time and money you ever spent in your life. Would you agree? 
Oh, agree. And yeah, you, exactly. You just can't, um, yeah, you can't give it enough credit. It's really hard to explain it to actually immerse yourself in it. Um, I just remember I basically, and it was a good thing, didn't sleep for like four days because I was on such a high and I was like, oh my gosh. And then from that point, I think we've done like 25 events. In the yeah. Last was that your first event? It was the first day with Destiny Boca Raton. Was, yeah. no, was that your first Tony event ever? Second. After okay. uh, we went to UPW in San Jose, was it? I think okay. The first time. Yeah. Okay. Also known as Unleash the Power Within. Sorry. Uh, I remember the first time I went to a Tony event. I didn't know. I knew who Tony was, obviously. He invited me and said, come and check out this event. And my mind wasn't really in it. I was distracted. I had calls and stuff to do. I didn't even know there was a fire walk. I didn't know this first day of the event went past midnight. And I was just, you know, it was by the second or third day where I, I was actually kind of ashamed because my, I was like, you know what? He gave me this gift. I didn't take it seriously. I didn't think I would grow from it. And I was just t changing dramatically. I said, I will never, ever sit through an event without being all in because there's so much to be learned from it. And you think you have a handle on your life. You think you know your emotions and your, your feelings. You think you understand people and you just don't know what you don't know because it, it's just so utterly transformational. So it's, uh, if I could tell you how my life's transformed, I just can't imagine my life without that first event. Now, mind you, I did get dragged to the Tony Robbins event, the first one, because Siri has followed him her entire life. Like he literally saved her life when she was at college um, at like 23 years old. And my sister was loved to listen to his tapes in her car. And I kind of wasn't really into that sort of stuff. And um, so I, she kind of dragged me there and he laughs when I tell him that story. But it just, I'm so grateful for her doing that, yeah. really. Because I was, I was a real introvert. Sounds crazy. I was really introvert. I didn't want to do the whole dancing and took a while to get into it. Then my day three, I'm like, yes. <laughs> like a lot, everyone. A lot of people like that. Uh, most people that go and everybody's always standoffish the first day and yeah. complete strangers, introverts, everybody. They're hugging and high-fiving and dancing around like crazy. And it's because they want to. They've, they've changed. The, uh, it, it's a true transformation. And uh, it's it's been an amazing journey for me. And I've grown so much from it. I can't I can't say enough about it. It's truly amazing. He needs amazing guys. He's in person. He's just tr absolutely tremendous. Him and his wife, Sage, are unbelievable. Um, so that gets me back to you. I mean, we could talk, you and I could actually talk about Tony and stuff. We, <laughs> we learned from Tony for hours. Uh, but I got you here. Um, I'll do a podcast with Tony here probably this year, and uh, he and I will chat. But, um, but you're on before Tony, so here you go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, one of the things I was, was reading an article about you, uh, you and people, a lot of people don't know, so you have a twin sister, Simone, and mm -hmm. she lives in Australia. You're from Australia. You live up in Boulder, Colorado now. That's the, where all the great athletes get trained for, because there's no air, right? Yeah. And <laughs> your sister is not an athlete, right? And, but in high school, when you guys did track and whatever, swimming and this kind of thing, she was the superior athlete and she beat you all the time. Is that right? Oh, it, absolutely. Every single time, not just once. And even to the point where we had the same bikes with the same gears and we would ride home from school and we would race from the hill. And even if I had a wheel in front at the start, she would never let me win. So I was so used to being beaten and what I, as a kid, you'd call failing that 
I was just constantly being smashed by her. And same academically, she's definitely the more academic one. She was had higher grades. She was a prefect, school captain. Um, and now I look back and I think, thank you for that. But at the time, I, I was, it was awful. It was really tough. Um, now, are, is she, I know there's in, in twin world, and you could confirm this or not, it's, it's a big deal with the older one, right? Like there is one that, that oh. is actually a little bit older. And so was she older than you or not? Mm-hmm. Yep. You're okay. right. She was. Oh, yeah. yeah. So in her mind, she's like, I have to win. And that's a big competitive thing between twins. But the reason why I highlight that is that I think for endurance sports like Ironman triathlete, this kind of thing, I watched some things uh, a, a, the other day, an eco challenge. It was like a four day, 400 mile crazy thing across Australia. And I thought of the like halfway through it, I'm like, man, I, I kind of think I want to do that. By the time I watched the whole thing, I'm like, no way, scratch it off the bucket list. I'm not going to do it. These people could die. Um, but, yeah. you know, we, we as non endurance athletic competitors, and I speak for a lot of people, we don't really relate to it. It's like I can't go pick up a, pick up a game of Iron Man. Right. You, know, <laughs> you don't have to be an athlete. I think to anyone can do it. Honestly, I've had guys that have been 280 pounds and dropped 40 pounds to finish and make the cutoff after a sixth attempt. So I do think anyone can do it. It's, it can be limited if you have serious injuries, but I really can't. I'll hold you to that. We're going to get you in a triathlon. Oh my gosh. You know what? Well, I had, I have some injuries, some sports related injuries because I used to be a mixed martial arts fighter. Um, yeah. and so I, you know, I worry about that. And I also went and had like a genetic blood test done one time. And the guy that did the test did the analysis, he says, your body doesn't process inflammation. You shouldn't do endurance training. You should do osteostrong X3 bar. The stuff you're doing is great. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, so I don't, I'm not one of these guys that I take cold showers and cold punches cause I enjoy it. I feel like, Oh yeah, this is great. Oh, oh, I hate them. <laughs> you know what? The first time I did one, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. I was in yeah. a Vegas hotel room at the Cosmopolitan, a Tony Robbins event. And I kept hearing about these cold plunges. I decided to do one and the, the water in, it was the middle of summertime. So you think I'm in a, I'm in a desert, right? And I'm going to, it's got how hot, how cold could the water be? And it was like 55 degree water coming out of that faucet. It was ridiculously cold. I got in there and I had a, like almost a panic attack. And I'm like thinking, okay, I don't want to be found dead naked in a, in a, uh, Vegas hotel room by myself. Like it's a story. No, that's and, not a good look. No, oh. I decided I didn't want that to be my end, but I eventually stuck with it. And after about four or five days, I just, I don't have that response. I love it now, but that's for another time. So yeah. I think um, the the thing that transitioned you from being, you know, second fiddler to your s- twin sister, right, to becoming mm-hmm. a world-class athlete. And when I say world-class, I mean, for somebody to get to break the world record on an, on an Ironman competition is unbelievable. That is, that is, that puts you in the top 0.000001% of the population. It's so infinitesimally small. Um, and you want to get into the mind, like, how did you do that? How did you train? What is, what is the commitment look like um, to do that? What is the mind of a champion? How did you go after that? Because like you say, and I think that a lot of people will come to the conclusion, oh, you know, you're a natural athlete and all this kind of stuff, and you're just genetically superior, and blah, blah, blah. But it really comes down to your dedication, right? I mean, tell us a little bit about that, and what a training week looked like, and how you how you dealt with that mentally. 
Yeah, I think honestly growing up and being constantly failing to beat my sister um, started that drive. Um, and like, you know, the great man says 90% psychology. It's, I feel like at that top level, it's almost 100% psychology. You're, you're talking about the best women in the world. And I remember 2009 it was in Germany called Challenge Roth. Um, and we had a lead car with the world record flashing in front of our face about 100 metres up the road. I was riding with the four-time world champion, Chrissy Wellington, and it kept showing us you were two minutes in front of the world record. If that's not motivation, like what is? I'd never seen that before, and I was like, shit, we're in front of the world record. And we came off the bike together, and no, she got me off the bike by about eight or ten minutes, and I ran a 255 marathon off the bike. Um, so go swim, bike, run for Kyle and people that don't know. Um, so it's a, yeah, it's a 2.4-mile swim, 112-mile bike, get off and run a marathon. And I think about now, I think, how the hell did I do that? Um, <laughs> but I ran a 255 and didn't quite run her down. I finished about, I think it was like eight minutes behind, and we both broke the world record. But because she crossed and set the world record before me, um, it was a new world record once I'd actually the line so I didn't really like I still broke the original world record but I can't really say I said it because I still got beaten on that day to think that we broke the world record and I still got beaten but she ended up being one of the best she was the best uh, female Ironman athlete in the world Chrissy Wellington from the UK so I just think honestly Kyle one thing that would stand out is honestly just like knowing that failure is a big part of it and failing a lot. And I, I did, I was very fortunate. I was very talented when you're talking about the top 1% of, you know, high performance sport as an elite athlete, um, little t like two millimeters, um, can make a difference. Every 0.1% makes a difference. Um, and I just, I was fully immersed for 22 years and, the world record came, uh, my biggest wins came around. I got the uh, rookie world record in 2004 in my first Ironman. So they had a, a record for first-time competitors. And I didn't even know until I crossed the line um, a day later that they said, you just set the new rookie world record. I said, what's that? And they said, it's the fastest time ever by a first-time rookie in an Ironman. And someone just beat me like not that long ago, but I was like, okay. And I did, but at the time, it's crazy. I didn't really appreciate it. Like looking back, I think it's insane what I did, but I never appreciated it at the time, but it's just constant dedication. The first 10 years of my life in the sport of triathlon, I was so obsessed and so immersed that I honestly, unless I was, and even when I was sick, I would train, which is not advised, but in the first 10 years, the only time I had a day off was if I was flying or in transition somewhere at an airport, I did not have one day off. I would mm -hmm. not, it was a mental thing. It's ridiculous to think of, I couldn't take a day off. You know, and I, I don't advise that either. Well, well athletes you know, will get hang me. on a second, uh, because yeah. I, wanna, I wanna talk about two things you said. One, I remember reading about Bill Gates and it was like 12 years he didn't take a day off, right? Wow. And I yeah. think a lot of people end up focusing on the end product. Okay, you're a champion, right? What they don't see, what people don't appreciate um, mm -hmm. is the struggle, the time, the, all the things that you go through and the dedication to, to build it. These, we see you, the, you know, the end product of developing your body and winning all these awards and all that kind of thing. What we don't see is, okay, this, well, someone didn't take a day off. The other thing you said I think was interesting. I think that we end up getting a, a big goal or a why that drives us in whatever it is we're doing, right? It could be business, could be athletes, athletics or anything like that. And that's kind of the image you have in your, in your mind. And then, um, and I'm, I'm going to take it a little out of context here, but I like the quote and I use it a little bit differently than how it's intended, but my, my people perish for they have no vision. And I, the way that I use that is if you don't know where you're going, you're just a ship without a rudder. Um, and, 
I think the other thing you said, and it just reminded me of a story, so I'm glad you brought it up, is like that that pace car in front of you telling you right then in the moment why you're why you're doing the race, you are this is where you stand as it relates to the world record, right? What a motivator. And I think that you have your big those Germans, I tell you. What's that? Awesome. Yeah. What'd you say? The Germans. The Germans are just so awesome. They're so into the sport. They're like lining the streets like five deep, like the two of the entire race. Like if ever any triathlete hasn't done Challenge Roth, you've got to do it. Mm, it yeah, I've really come. To, I've really come to appreciate both the subtle and major uh, nuances between the cultures. And Germans are an interesting people. We could talk about Germans for a long time, and they're so meticulous. What a German! So take it easy on me. No, no, no. My yeah, wife's part. My wife's part German. No, they're so meticulous. They're so smart. Um, they're very. They're very driven people. I mean, it's, there's a lot of things to respect about the Germans. So I'm not going to pick on Germans. Um, well, it was great for them when two girls break the world record. Like we're all over the freaking newspapers. So it was great for the race. And then everyone wanted to go to the race to get PRs, but not everyone gets PRs there. But yeah. It was good for everyone. <laughs> well, I, I think one of the things that um, I, one of the just even initial takeaways that I'm talking to you that's been kind of important in my life too is like I have my big goal, but then mm-hmm. I have my daily goals. I have my mm-hmm. morning goals, and sometimes I have my hourly goals, and setting really tiny bites um, of achievement to do throughout the day. They all feed the, the large vision of where I'm going. That's kind of the thing, the, my my yeah. big wide driver. But sometimes it's just a uh, very small short-term things like having the the pace car out in front of you so to speak of like this is what i'm gonna do this is my morning routine and i know it's a victory when i've achieved the last step of that morning routine and it's a mindset it's a motion set for my day and i, I would imagine i can't even imagine actually i take that back I'm, i can't imagine I'll, I'll be honest i can't imagine the amount of hours of dedication per day uh towards becoming uh, a world-class champion like you've done like what did a training week look like for you when you were knee-deep in it yeah well when I started at 16 call and I honestly am dead serious like swore on my grave but I don't remember having one day off in the first 10 years unless it was on a flight or something but um for me it was I, I was I found myself and I found a love I don't think I really loved myself and I remember reading Syria and she said you've got to love yourself and I was quite immature emotion. I was like 30, 31. And I was like, oh, love yourself. That's cocky. And I didn't get what she meant. And I really didn't have a love for myself. I was so driven by still trying to find myself. And I guess I was still coming to terms with being gay and coming out and hadn't really um, met the love of my life yet. And now I have, thank God. But um, I hadn't and I was, I was pretty emotionally immature and unstable. And I think the sport was where I at least found myself and I had certainty. And um, somewhat, I guess, then it's significance as well, but that's that drive to just achieve and achieve. And I was so focused on achieving and being in the process and talking about the world record. It's funny, I, we did see that flashing, but in the race, for me, I don't know what Chrissy was thinking, but I was never thinking, I want to break the world record, I want to break the world record, I want to break the world record. I was like, this is freaking awesome. I was like, I want to put every power into every pedal stroke, into every second of every minute of this race, as hard as I can with as most exertion and to see what, how, what I can do. Like, I really wasn't thinking about the world record. It was great motivation. I was like, we're going really well here. But um, it was in that moment, when you're, when you're at that level, you are trying to give everything in every single moment for eight hours and 39 freaking minutes and that's 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 so mentally hard and 
to prepare for that, I'd prepare myself for so many years beforehand. That was 09, so I'd already been doing it for 2006, like 13 years. So, you know, I was pretty prepared. But um, you've got to be able to put yourself through that pain and that mental fortitude so many times in training and overcome so many failures just to train your mindset for that. And the pain tolerance, I think, I think a lot of it is innate. It can be trained for sure. But Siri and I laugh about athletes because some athletes just, and her, she's a great example, their pain threshold just is not at that level that it should be at. And they're, they're age groupers, so they do it, a lot of them do it for fun. But you can see straight away whether this person is going to really, really achieve in the sport or if they're, you know, they've got enough talent to get there but they're not going to quite make it. You can see that straight away and it all comes down to, you know, their mental strength and how much they're willing to suffer, really. It sounds awful, but it's the truth. <laughs> it's true. Um, two things. I remember my brother, I have, an, I have three older brothers, and my oldest brother, he he decided he wanted to run a, a marathon. So his wife bought him a ticket to participate in some San Francisco marathon, and it was rated a hard marathon. He never ran a marathon before, but he trained for it. He followed all the protocols, super dedicated. He went and ran it, and... He says it was horrible. Like he says, there's hills. It was like 40, 50 mile an hour gusts of wind. He says, just as you go over a hill, you're going downhill and he gets smacked in the face with this gust of wind that just makes it just as hard to run downhill as it was uphill. So he got to to like 21, 22 miles and he said he just wanted to cry and quit. He's like, I was done. Mm -hmm. Then a woman who was training, uh, uh, who was, I guess, hired as a coach, she had like a group of women she was taking through their first or second marathon and she, yeah. they were, she was running past them, past him. And so he just kind of like leaned on her um, willpower and she would make these goals. Okay. See that rock right there. We're going to run to that rock. Okay. We made it to the rock celebrate. Okay. See that tree right there. We're going to run to that tree. And he's yep. like, if it wasn't for, he goes, I thanked her profusely afterwards. He's like, I, w- there's no, I was so done emotionally Mm-hmm. Um, and as you stated, like it is so mental. And I think that's that way kind of in everything we do and any, any endeavor you're trying to get. And we, and we, as human beings, there's so many things we just protect ourselves from because we, the, the pain of it, whether it's emotional, whether it's financial, whether it's physical, whatever the thing, just be, you think it's bigger than it really is. Now I will state after hearing his story and what you go through, I'm like, going, okay, yes, that's pretty big. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's pretty painful. And um, yeah, when you're, when you ask any Ironman athlete, whether they're highly trained professional or an age grouper, like finishing a marathon is such an unbelievable achievement for anyone. Like I don't care whether it's an easy course or a hard course, it's a freaking marathon. Like you can't cheat your way through it. Um, and Ironman's the same. Like you get to that, I always got to about 8, 10K to go and um, kilometers to go and I was like, I'm so in the pain cave right now and you've got to do everything to not focus on the pain. You've got to think about the training you've done, cheer other people on and we're so actually so lucky to be out there with age groups. Like this is the only sport in the world other than marathon, which is very similar, but where you can start a race with the professionals, the age groupers are on the course with you. I'll tell you what, they get us through the race. Like they're there, we're suffering. I could barely even say a word when I was in pain. And they'd go, yeah, back, keep going. And they're like just getting off the bike and they've got eight hours of running to do. And it's like, 
that's what got me through a lot of the time. It's so incredible to be out there, that environment. Like it's one of those sports that you just can't replicate. It's just, just an amazing atmosphere. I think just looking forward to the meal and the chocolate I would get to eat would yeah. be motivation at that point of all uh, the <laughs> metabolic rate and like your heart rate. Um, my heartbeat, you could, I could hear it in my, in my, when I was like trying to sleep, you just hear it in your head because the blood pressure is still so high when you're asleep and I don't know, something must happen with the volume. And it's just, I remember just, you can't sleep for days because you're also drinking like Red Bull and high caffeine. I'm used to caffeinated gels and three days. And then you have this post Ironman, they call post Ironman depression. And it is a real thing. And I know you say, oh, it's mental, but it is because you have this massive high where you're going all year for this goal, whether it's just participating or finishing or winning. And then the next day it's like, now what? And this is really big, like post Ironman depression that people get. So that's that we talk about before the finish line, you're like, I'm never doing one of these again. It's so painful. I'm never doing it. And then as soon as you're done, you're like, when's the next one? When's the next one? Like that's, oh that's how it works. It's addiction. That, that's pretty <laughs> awesome actually. And then the thing about it is, is you end up experiencing something that most humans on the planet never get to experience. And I think that's pretty, probably pretty amazing. Um, so now you retired how long ago, like two years ago? Um, well, no, I retired, um, after the Tony event, 2016 ended the Tony event when I realized that triathlon wasn't my identity and it didn't define me mm. and massive transformation, massive wake up. I was like, I want to do something that's much more fulfilling than just winning a race. That's really fleeting. I, I want to do something where we're saving animals. We're leaving a legacy and we're going to, I'm going to leave this planet, um, much better than when I when I when I was here. So that was that became our goal to save as many animals as we can. So uh, well, your next evolution will be leaving a dynasty. So we'll see what that <laughs> yeah. happens. So uh, yeah, um, you never know. Um, so then, uh, so you moved out of it and you you started the um, the Team Series Tri Club. Team Series Tri Club. Thank you. I was trying to say. I was look, looking. see, it's right here. Oh, it's there you go. All I had to do was look at your shirt. I knew that. <laughs> And then the Believe and Rescue Ranch, and that was a pretty interesting pivot for you to go to coaching. And then I see your Facebook videos, and you're out there caring for your horses and feeding them. And I think, um, I don't know if it was you and your mom one time, you were sludging through the cold mud. <laughs> and I, now, now, this is, it's funny, I, I have a, I was not raised on a farm. We actually had property, and we had horses and cows and I raised a pig and I've raised some chickens. So I'd like all that. Like I was telling somebody that the other day and they were laughing at me. I'm like, I don't understand why that's funny to you. Like I'm from Texas. That's just kind of yeah. Okay. It's like what I'm, it's like, I'm like, okay, this they five raised in the city. They don't get it. But when I see you out there doing that is to me, it's like, oh yeah, I've, I've done that. Yeah, I get it. And, um, but it, it, yeah, I think it makes, I think it makes you more real when you can go and just sludge through the mud and you're taking to the horses, but you're always it. so happy when yeah. you're doing it. I just love seeing that, like you stated, and I think it's a big deal that you realize like this thing that you had passion for, you, you achieved a pinnacle of success that you probably didn't even think was available. And you're like, you know what? That's not my identity. And then mm -hmm. you pivoted. And so you use that mind of an, I guess that mind of a champion, you had the ability to mastery and then you go to Tony and he rewires your brain and as he does. And now tell us what you're, tell us like what kind of success you've seen. Cause you're, you're doing some pretty awesome stuff. Like you were, you were telling me some stuff with this call. I'm like taking notes, like, okay, you know, she's got <laughs> some stuff to teach me here. So yeah, it's, it's crazy. You know, um, 
yeah, 2016 it was, and I was like, okay, I realized that the sport doesn't define me, and I love animals. What can we do? And um, from that event, I we my wife convinced us. So we, we bought our business mastery tickets. Now we thankfully we get to attend as friends, but we bought our tickets. I was so angry with her because I was like eight thousand dollars each. Oh my god, we can't afford that. Like we didn't have financial freedom, and we still don't. But we're getting towards that. But. I was so upset with Sarah. She comes back with this business mastery hat and I signed this up and I'm like, oh my God, how could we afford this? So we put in our, we put in our credit cards and we went to it. And from that event, I'm sorry to keep plugging Tony, but he's changed my life. Um, and uh, we went to that event and um, we created Team Serious Tri Club. So we realized that in order for us to be successful in saving as many animals, and originally we thought it was going to be dogs, but can tell you about the horror story, but we, we need a financial freedom or some sort of financial freedom to increase our business. So we started Team Serious Tri Club. And uh, Tony actually jumped onto our first live when we launched and we were like so excited. Tony's on the live. That was pretty cool. And uh, we had got about, I think, 130 members just in the first few months. And now we have over 400 and uh, we grew at 400% in the first year. And from that, uh, within a few months from there, we started like, about, I think it was March 17, we started Believe Ranch and Rescue, rescuing horses from slaughter. And we were the crazy women. Like they talk about crazy cat women with the crazy horse women. And we weren't, we weren't really horse like, I wasn't a lot involved with horses. We had horses as kids, but I, I didn't know a ton about them. I just knew I loved them. And so did Siri. We're both huge animal lovers. And uh, we had like four horses on a two-acre property. People thought we were crazy. Convinced our neighbours to lease land. Had another eight. And then first year we saved 32 horses from slaughter, more than any other small rescue in the States. And and then we realised like, we're, this is crazy. We can't keep trying to lease land and have horses all over the place. So we then bought a property in Longmont. And now we have 25 rescues. And um, we've rescued 100. 17 horses from slaughter in the last three years so and that was honestly all all started with creating our, our, our tri club to get that financial freedom to be able to you know to really have that that little bit of luxury to and we learn all the tools on how you know what we could use to create our c3 so our charity so that's yeah. super amazing i i you know you're a convert you and syria are conversation around my house frequently i've got uh, I have three sons and two of them, they all love animals, but two of them are animal lovers. And then my youngest oh. one is super passionate. And when he was about four years old, he was looking at me and he's like, so dad, why don't we have horses? You know? And I'm like, well, you know, we live in a neighborhood and this kind of thing. And, and so he says, uh, and he's like, you work all the time, right? I was like, well, yeah, I mean, I work, that's what I do. And he says, and you don't have a ranch and we don't have horses. And then he just kind of shook his head and he says, don't worry, dad, I'll let you and mom come move on my ranch. And so uh, like him and my oldest son have this dream of having a ranch, rescuing horses, rescuing dogs. They just like, they want to do that. That's going to be like the thing we do and we're going to, we'll have our money thing. And I'm like, oh, you know what? We're going to take a, we're going to take a trip up to Boulder and, and I, I'm going to bring my whole family and we're going to come bug you. That would be amazing. Oh, I love them even more now. That's well, when they're ready to start, we get a little mini Believe Ranch Rescue. They can be a part of that. We'll yeah. have a, well, you know how to run franchise, Carl. We'll have a Believe Ranch Rescue franchise. There you go. I'll, <laughs> I'll set it up for you. We'll get it. We'll make it happy happen. There's some, uh, got some exciting things going on and uh, I can't talk about it now, but, okay. but I got some stuff. We may be able to work something out. So um, anyway, um, but now getting back into your mindset, because you were thrown a serious challenge uh, this past, 
I can remember when we actually first heard. It's been, it's been over 12 months, I guess. Um, but uh, your wife, Siri, was diagnosed with cancer. And, and then that, that, of course, shifts everything and mm-hmm. what that you do. And so I'm sitting here and I, and I see her and I see like she's in remission now and getting better and stronger all the time. Um, and, uh, you know, my wife and I, we've prayed for you guys so many times. I can't even, can't even tell you. Still feel it. We feel it, Carl. I feel like the whole universe is praying for my wife. Like, mm. yeah, well, last year, um, in November, I mean, my wife's the healthiest person you'll ever meet. Um, and just, you just never expect it to happen to you. I've known plenty of people who've been diagnosed with cancer, but when we heard that, I mean, she said it wasn't even 50 and they said, you have acute myeloid leukemia. I actually think I was in more shock and more upset than she was. She was straight away went into, I will survive this. And I was like, I'm going to lose my wife. Like that, I was just terrified. And um, undoubtedly the hardest thing we've ever been through. Um, thankfully with COVID, COVID has been a real blessing, honestly, in so many ways, not to some people, but for us it actually has because the hospital allowed my wife to come home just before they stopped allowing visitors. She would have been in there for a bone marrow transplant on her own. And um, they allowed her in there. They let her out 60 days early and um, she got to come home to the ranch and heal with our horses. And it was the biggest gift we could ever have had. We're in a little bubble here, which is great because she's immunocompromised still from a bone marrow transplant. And she went into remission um, we got, we got a bone, uh, bone marrow biopsy about uh, two months ago and they said you're absolutely cancer free. So my wife gets to live. <laughs> so I get to live. I don't know what to do without her. So, but it's undoubtedly, you know, she used to think winning the world championship was the hardest thing she's done, but this doesn't even compare. Um, yeah, and being I- a caregiver, it's, it's tough on you. So I had to really learn to sort of take care of myself while I took care of her and we had amazing support from her mom and her family. And that without that, I don't, I don't know where I would be. I, my mum came over to stay to help with me and she said, oh, my God, you're so thin. And I didn't even think I was. And she said, you need to weigh yourself. You've got to, I've got to fatten you up. So she literally came over to start feeding me. And I hadn't realised I'd lost about 10 pounds too, but I didn't even know at the time because Siri lost about 20. But it was just all that adrenaline I was eating, but I just wasn't taking care of myself. So we both had to learn to receive, which is not the easiest thing to, for two givers, but um, and definitely not easy for my wife. But she got to a point where she... You know, could barely get out of bed, so she had to learn to, to receive, and that was that was the biggest gift. Mm. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry you guys had to go through that. I know that everybody's going to be really curious in hearing the journey and the stuff that she did because mm-hmm. of your relationship mm-hmm. with Tony and so many other amazing human beings you've met on this journey. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. you were able to implement a lot of techniques uh, mm-hmm. that has allowed her to recover faster, heal faster have their immune system recover faster. And I'm, I'm, I believe we're doing a podcast with her and I'm going to really dig yeah, in with her on that. She I mean, was she, honestly so upset that she couldn't um, do osteo strong. I think she was actually glad that no one was allowed to do it because they, I mean, they closed it for a little while here. But the first thing she says is, well, could we go to osteo strong? I said, we're not going in there with people. Like, it's too dangerous for you. She was so mad. And then they actually opened it up. Brian opened it up for us to come in privately um, and just do a one-on-one and the, I'm so jealous. She's freaking benching more than me now, Kyle. I'm, and I've got guns. Look at these. My wife does not have guns like this, and she's doing 870. And I'm doing like 850. So anyone who knows Osteo Strong, like she's 
she's only 120 pounds. So I'm like so jealous. Those are really great numbers. Uh, you know, <laughs> men are blessed with uh, a better upper body strength, right? And okay. yeah. um, and so, but I get to see everybody's numbers. You got you're you're very strong, and uh, <laughs> thank very you. Proud of that she's still stronger than me, though. I'm not competitive at all. Well, you know, it's, <laughs> I know that's not true. Um, Siri's an interesting uh, animal in and of herself in that she's uh, she's also a world champion triathlon uh, triathlete trainer. When she started in triathlon training, she didn't know how to swim. She's like, I want to be a triathlete, and I hear there's a swim thing. I need to learn how to do that. And then she yep. goes off and wins like you know first place a couple years in a row, and she's amazing. Is she going to write a book or anything about? her cancer journey or anything like that of what she did and how she addressed it. Cause I think that's a topic that people really should, relate yeah. to. I told her that she, um, she has to do the second book. She's done one and it only gets up to the point where we met. I was actually upset because I didn't make it to the last page. And I'm like, Hey, you gotta do a book too. They talk about us. So no, I'm kidding. But she does, she is going to do one because I just think her journey and as hard as it was. And the crazy thing is, and she'll talk about this is that, um, the doctors never said this to her, but the truth was afterwards they did. And they said, you had less than a 10% chance. Like most people have about a 10% chance with the acute um, leukemia that she had. She actually had two genetic um, disorders as well, mutations. And the reason why she entered the trial was because um, normal uh, conventional way of um, uh, chemotherapy and radiation would not have cured her cancer. She would have gone, she would have maybe hit remission, but it probably would have come back. So, and she may not even have hit remission. So the crazy thing is that God blessed or the universe or whoever you want to believe in, we were at UC Health. They had a trial that even someone her age wasn't supposed to do. They allowed her to do it and her insurance covered it. We saw like a $1.3 million bill and we thought that we had to pay it. And then it said, hey, I was like, thank you. I it's think you guys probably would have been oh. able to raise the money. We would have stepped oh, yeah. in. We, we actually did quite well with our GoFundMe, actually. That paid for a lot of our um, outside stays of the hospital and everything. But um we're taking care of our horses. We had to hire a full-time ranch hand because I just couldn't do everything. I wanted to be there with her. But, yeah, she she's in remission and so so many gifts from that struggle. But I'll let her share that with you. But she literally had less than, I would say, I think about a 5% chance if she, less than 10 for sure, and she's here. So and she's got a lot more to do in this yeah. world. Oh, well, <laughs> cancer scares the hell out of everybody because it, it, like in the case of Siri and so many others, and, I mean, we dedicate October to Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Why? Because it is so random. It's like getting struck by lightning, except your chances are a lot better of getting, uh, or a lot worse, I guess, of getting cancer. And so it seems so random. I, you know, we do all these things to lead, you know, many of us do to lead a healthy lifestyle. And then you're thinking, yeah, but it could still happen, right? I'm a, yeah. I, uh, several years ago, I just started doing, I started getting my blood tested every six months and I test all my blood right. markers and yeah. I, uh, I, that's how we found out. Yep. You have to, um, because you yeah. just can't see it. It's, it's, uh, it gives you information you otherwise would never get. And that's like, I'm actually in a 48 hour fast right now. I'm probably about 47, 44 hours into it. It's just, you don't get hungry though. It's Carl. So you, this is the mental strength that I don't have. And I should have it as a former elite athlete. I cannot fast. I get so, I keep saying, I'm going to do it tomorrow. And then I start, I get to like 16 hours and then I crack. And that's being so honest. 
So let, let, let me give you. I can, but I haven't been able to. <laughs> so I'll give you a couple hacks that will help you. Okay. Fast. And I'll tell you. I'll tell you this first. Thank you. I'm gonna take notes here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So there's there's three things that will help ease your fast. One, coffee. Oh, you can do coffee. Black coffee. Yeah. Now, if it was a religious fast, that's a different thing. So if you're just saying, okay, I'm going to, you know, really. I cleanse. It kills all your dead cells. I want to do this. Yeah, yeah. You want to do a fasting. Fasting, uh, for those of you who don't know, sends you into autophagy after 24 hours. And then it ramps up over time. And autophagy is where your cells are just dumping toxins and cleansing themselves. And it's and you can kill cancer from that, Carl. I've been reading a lot about this. Sue thinks I'm crazy because I'm like, we are not, yeah. none of us are getting cancer. And yeah. it starts clean, cleaning, cleanses the cancer cells. I've seen women go into remission just, and I wouldn't advise this, but just from diet and cleansing and being ketogenic, cured yep. cancer. Yep. Yeah. So fasting. So uh, coffee. And coffee, car- right. Carbonated water. Oh, uh, yeah. The other thing that you want to do is you want to start getting away from carbs because what ends up happening is your mitochondrial, they send this signal, they love carbs, right? Your, in, your mm-hmm. liver loves carbs. Mm-hmm. And if you're not in ketosis, you're, you get all these signals from your liver, your mitochondrial that telling your brain, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. And so it intensifies. So if, you're, if you've been eating any carbs, you, know, you just really want to cut carbs out for, before you do your first one, oh, or you okay. just like, just go ketogenic diet and um and then you know skip breakfast and then just eat protein like lunch and dinner and this kind of thing drink your coffee and 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 that that kind of thing and there's all kinds of healthy coffee stuff you could do rpg coffee is amazing i think you guys might chris capazelli with rpg coffee um i gotta get you some of this it'd be great for siri too it's organic though because i'm really it's organic and it's got ace manin in it which is this extract from i'm getting off the base here but it's this extract from uh, from aloe vera and ace manin is this weird molecule that your body is designed to receive and work with that you're born with and it's in like your mother's milk and this kind of thing but you still have this receptor in there that only gets that only ace manin could actually lock to and they only make this special derivative in texas and he puts it in his coffee and he did that because he rpg stands for real people giving he gives they give so much to veterans and this kind of thing and this guy you're gonna love i actually surprised you don't know chris capazelli he is a super cool guy and and i'm me and sage robbins go back with the best coffee and she's gone off coffee right now and i always find look for new organic and where it's grown and how it's grown and i found this life boost one that it's non-acidic because i also have had my own like gi issues and leaky gut if you want to call it and i I found one that i like but i'm obsessed with finding um yeah one that's really good for you and that sounds great yeah we'll have to talk about that off this (laughs) once you're in ketosis (laughs) fasting is easier because your hunger spikes don't happen you don't get hangry or hungry and angry at the same time when people experience i get angry it's because you're because you've you've had your your liver is not in ketosis. Your liver is burning glucose, and when there's no glucose, you get this signal like, "I'm starving. Feed me now." Um, I remember the very first time I did a fast, I was like stressed out. Mm. I was stressed. I was just like, "Okay," and I, okay, and I was just like all day long thinking I'm going to get so angry because if I wasn't eating, I'd get angry. And I'm like, I don't like being angry. That's not who I am. And um, now, like, you know, twenty. 20 hour fast is like no big deal. I just never eat. 
until dinner time, and then I just eat two steaks or whatever. And then two um, steaks, no veggies, nothing like. Sometimes my wife will make a salad or something, but sometimes I'll just. Um, I remember I went in and got a, a two bone-in ribeyes. They were they were that big. And uh, I remember the waiter was like, I've never seen anybody. And, and <laughs> Dr. Jacobs was with me. And we each ordered two. And they're just, and oh we both completely God. devoured them. And the guy was just like, they, the waiters are coming over and taking pictures because they're like, I've never seen another human being like this. I wish I haven't eaten in 24 hours. And I've been freaking out. Um, but oh yeah, when you could, when you get in ketosis first and start training your body, weaning your body off carbs, that's a big deal. Coffee and Carbonated water will help you mitigate your fast. But the the one, like a 24-hour fast to me is like nothing. Or I don't do 24. I do about 18, 20, and then I'll feast, and then I'll kind of nibble for a couple hours. Um, but the 48-hour fast is harder for me. And the reason why is that what I found is it's very emotional for me. Like, like, like I, it's like my happy place to sit down and have a meal with my family at night. And so when I skip that the first night, it's just kind of, I'm like a ship without a rudder. I'm like, what am I supposed to do right now? And I'm just watching people eat and we're preparing. Right, right. And then we were preparing yeah. food for the kids. Talk about hard. <sighs> like you're yeah. gonna just dying. Um, yeah. But for whatever reason, when you wake up the next morning, you're not even hungry. Your stomach has shrunk. Your brain is reset. And you don't like right now. I don't know what time is it now. It's almost yeah. five o'clock my time, I guess. Yeah. And like I'm just now starting to feel hungry, and so my last so in a couple hours I'll be eating dinner. That'd be 48 hours. So I full load. Yeah, I do like I do intermittent, and I won't talk about it anymore after this. But I do intermittent fasting every day. Like I'll do, and I feel like I do a little. I I, I convinced that I biohack my 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 uh my going into uh, ketosis like or biohack my autophagy by I work out fasted, and my Mickey Willard and our nutritionist said that is a way to hack the 24 hours if you can workout and it's like hits like hard 45 minutes all out workout i do that most days and then um i feel like i'm forcing that autophagy early i reckon i can hit it um by about 16 hours if i do a faster workout and well, you without having to hold 24 that's my theory anyway you get in ketosis faster when you when you work out a, a hit workout or high intensity <laughs> workout and it doesn't even take that long you have to burn the glucose that's stored in your muscle cells so you have to use them otherwise you're just on the slow burn it could take like 24 hours and all this stuff and so if it, like i'll just do my squats on the you know in the mornings squats or deadlifts first thing and i hate squats i always hated them i was bitching about them to my wife last night i'm like i never like them um and it's one of my morning routine things because i always tony taught me this thing and i know you remember it's and he says, I don't let my mind tell me what to do. And yeah. I love that because it's like, I'd, I'd almost say that to myself, probably now I used to say it every day. Uh, now it's every once or twice a week because I, I, I never tell, whenever my mind says, not today, I'm like, who do you think you're talking to? Like, I'm in yeah. charge of me. We're doing squats. So I like to do them in the morning because it just starts me out with a crazy victory for the day. It's one of my morning yeah. things I do. You gotta work. I, I agree. You gotta, I feel like you should always work, try and work out I have athletes telling me the other day, um, we're helping some, some girls that are just starting like weight loss and fitness. And they're telling me that they're doing their workouts at like, one said like 11 or 12 at night. I'm like, oh my God, what, 
what are you doing? And she's like, well, I work till six. And then I'm like, no, you're not working out at midnight. That is ridiculous. So, yeah. Well, um, I, I now today I haven't worked out yet because I'm on a 48 hour fast. So what I'll do is I'll do my workout right before I eat. Um, yeah. And I and I think that it's just a theory. And Jake Wish and I were talking about this once. And he says, you know, think about when we were ancient beings and we had to go hunt for food. You didn't eat until you expended physical energy. So his theory was um, if you do a physical expenditure that your body's probably then expecting and more probably biochemically ready to receive a meal. So um, So I'll go hit my workout here in about an hour and get that yeah. craziness done. Um, those are some pretty, it, and then your thing about it is it's, they're simple biohacks. And I think as you stated that I do them because I don't see the inside of my body all the time. I don't want to deal with what you and Siri had to deal with. And so we'll, we'll, I do a 48 hour fast about once every other week or two. And the rest of the time I'm just eating like once a day for like three hours and it gives your body time to rest and repair, and you're not you're not just stressing out your your system uh, and overloading it. And man, I get I get sharp as attack the other day. I don't have crashes. My mind is still just as sharp as it was when I'm done with my day and I turn off the computer and all that stuff. I'm just still like on. But if I eat lunch now, um, it's like uh, I don't want to do anything. So and I have a mental clarity thing that I, I struggle with as well, like a mental focus. So maybe I need to try a longer fast. I'm going to give it a crack. I, I, I made my mum and sister do it, and I told them I was going to do it, and then I never did it, and they did it, and they made it through the 24 hours. They're like, how did you go? I was like, you do it. It was really like, easy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do it. I know. So you're motivated me now. And when Siri's better, I've said to her, babe, we need to do this autophagy. You're never getting cancer again. We are doing everything. We're doing osteostrong, biocharge, PMF, diet, organic, gluten-free, dairy-free, but you need to do a fast as well. Right now she's so little and skinny, like she can't afford to do that, but we'll be doing that. Hey, she should be taking, uh, by the way, just now, uh, Fortigen. Do you know, you know, do you take Fortigen? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. So we, we're talking about so much crazy stuff on this podcast. I hope I people are getting sick of it. So it's okay because I can share it. My athletes will love this no, stuff. No, this is stuff you want. Um, and so if you take like an amino acid supplement or like whey protein, you're even really quality stuff, you're only really getting 40% of it. And uh, there was a group of doctors that went out and created a, it's not a new amino acid, still amino acids, but an absorbable amino acid. It's like 99% absorbable. And they created it for cancer patients because when cancer patients start losing muscle mass, oh, it could be yeah. like a death knell, right? Um, you're, because you're just getting so much metabolic dysfunction. Your, your body can't process as much blood glucose when you're losing muscle mass. That's why type two people get type two diabetes. And you want to be able to process blood glucose, especially when you have cancer because glucose is cancer food. Right. Right. And so uh, to be losing muscle mass is horrible. You do not want that. In fact, side note, societies that live the longest people and cultures that live the longest throughout time had muscle mass and bone density were the two biggest factors towards a long life. So those are two things you want. So what they did is they made this um, product, this amino acid product for cancer patients. And then they didn't know how to market it or whatever. And they, they'd even gave it to uh, an endurance athlete who went and did like a four-day like hike through the desert. And all the athlete consumed was this amino acid. They increased their muscle mass and decreased their body fat. And so when I fast, I'll do this uh, Fortigen 
and I don't get anything for it. I just, I'm not plugging it because I get a commission. John should buy just he'll just buy me my next steak dinner probably, um, and uh, um, and it's super effective. Um, and you get it off x3bar.com. That's where they sell it. So um, anyway, um, back to you. Um, though we've been talking a lot of crazy stuff here. We can talk about John really quick because the reason why I love Kyle was because he had massive biceps. And, <laughs> yeah, okay, but I was like, they're awesome arms. And then I saw John, I was like, OMG, look at his arms. You know, anyway, John's you a that. funny guy because I've got I've got really great, like uh, people said I've got, and I appreciate me talking about this, so I got like the way I'm built, I'm like I had a lot of definition. And I'm not as big as John. John's probably 270 pounds now and 7% body fat, right? Um, and I don't, I'm not nearly on that level, but I got, but he looks at me, he's like, dude, your biceps look amazing. And he's like, I wish my biceps looked like yours. I said, your bicep is bigger around than my thigh, right? He's like, I know, but he's like, you're just like kind of, you could be a bodybuilder. And I'm like, I'm not going to be a bodybuilder. I don't want to be, um, my clothes fit now. So. Right. Um, so real quick and two things I want to end with, cause this has been super fun. And part of it is I just miss you and seeing you guys and all this. Um, so, so sad. I couldn't see you when I was in Denver another time. Well, we'll get, so we'll I get... want you to bring your kids next time. So oh, I will. I'll definitely bring them. We're starting um, equine therapy as well as doing like some horse human connection events as well. So we'll have to bring you out for one of those. Done. Done. Count me in. Just let me just say when you're doing it and we will make the time. I'll pull them out of school. I don't care. Just, so, yeah. <laughs> just grades. Um, so uh, real quick, um, you got, let's, let's take a look five years ahead right now because you've got, you know, this cancer is now behind you. You've got this great foundation of your of the growing success and the hundreds of thousands of people that you guys are able to connect through all the marketing and media stuff that you've learned. And you are, you're on your way in a, in a trajectory that I think uh, people just dream about. What are the, what are the next five years look like for you and Siri? Wow. Well, definitely have passed the safe act bill. And for those of you who don't know, um, when we started Believe Ranch and Rescue, um, we realized we were rescuing horses from this barbaric practice of horse slaughter. And don't Google horse slaughter because you'll start honestly rescuing horses. And I do want to mention something about that because um, I talk about eating steak a lot. And look, I love animals too, right? Um, I'm not, uh, I get it. And the way that when, it's don't want to be gross here, but the way that cows get slaughtered, it's it's a, not that big of an event for the cow. I mean, see, it's still taking the life of an animal, and I do respect the animal and what I eat. I don't think eat it blindly and without realizing that. Mm -hmm. um, but with the way that a, a horse slaughter is, it's very, very painful for the horse because of the way their brain sets in their skull, and it's kind of upsetting. And horses are kind of a different sort of being. I've had cows, and I've had horses. Um, and cows are fine but there is something different um, about horses and when I talk to horse people so horse people know what that means um, and I used to be a horse I'm still a horse people I don't have horses now but um, they're they're kind of amazing animals and you do develop a, a kindred spirit with them and they have the ability to sense human emotion in very unusual mm -hmm. ways you got to spend time around horses if you ever get a chance go visit their ranch or other people who do similar kind of stuff they're kind of kind of cool animals so i appreciate it's like dogs i mean americans and now you're in australia and i can't 
I don't know about you Australians, but you Australians, you, you are cowboys too, so maybe you're the same as we are, but Americans are animal lovers in general. We love our dogs, we love our cats, we love our horses. In general, we just, uh, we're animal people, so I appreciate it. So you've you got this five-year plan. I interrupted you because you were doing No, that's that. okay. No, it, it, animals are sentient beings, and it's crazy. I remember reading a study a couple of years ago saying animals have feelings. I'm like, why are they just publishing this? We know, like, animal lovers know they have feelings. Like, that's a ridiculous statement to make, but they do. And horses actually, um, the slaughter program, I don't agree with slaughtering any animal, especially the factory farming. That's um, look out because that's our next goal, Kyle. Watch this space. But once we do, so what we created. Your next, what's program. your next goal? Stopping factory farming. Okay. Ending factory farming. It's yeah. got to stop. Well, I mean, and they have a happier animal with their lid than a pasture. It's just, you, we drive past some of these some of these out here in Colorado, and I can't even look. It's just it's like horse slaughter. It just stays in your mind. But um, and people say, why not chickens and hogs and all of that? So the reason is, like, of course we want to save every animal from inhumane barbaric slaughter, but there's no such thing as humane slaughter of horses. I grew up on a dairy farm. I grew up on a cattle farm, horses, sheep, um, cows, and the, the, the cows were slaughtered for, for, for human consumption. The cows were slaughtered for human consumption, and not that this makes it right, but the captive bolt that they use, I don't want to go into detail, but they stun them and they feel nothing. Horses, they don't stun them. They miss 75% of the time and they're dismembered alive half the time. And this is why it was stopped and closed in the US. Um, our, we are very, very lucky that um, from this actual same same thing, this event we started, we realized saving horses is incredible, but let's let's see if there's a bill we can pass to actually end horse slaughter. So from um, last year, we created our 501c4, our lobbying um, fund called In Our Act, In Our Hands Action Fund or Horses In Our Hands on social media if anyone wants to look us up. And we realized we, we can get a bill passed. And this has been sitting in both committees in the Senate and in the, in the House and in, in the Senate for 20 years. And it has not been passed by any big animal groups. Everybody said you'll never do it. It's called the Safe American Food Export Act but it will ban the slaughter of horses here and because it's not banned here, it's just closed down, it's being defunded because um, they're foreign owned and who, why should we pay taxpayers' money being used for USDA inspections? That's not. That's another That's another um, rabbit hole. We won't go down, right? Because people say, well, it's out of taxpayers' money. It's like, yeah, that's why they shouldn't be here because they're foreign owned slaughterhouses. So they're being, they're being closed here, but it's not banned. We ship 60,000 horses a year to slaughter and we created... Uh, in our hands action fund to end that and to pass this bill called the safe act and we have um since may we started an online campaign with some amazing celebrities willie nelson and his family they're amazing melissa Etheridge, jules hoff tony um have all got behind this um julianne hoff um so many amazing celebrities have gotten behind us and we have managed to have uh 80 no, it's actually up to ninety-one thousand emails sent to legislators to tell them that their legislators, the co-sponsor, sorry, the uh, constituents all go onto our website, Horses in Our Hands, click ban slaughter, and it'll literally automate it for you. We send an email on your behalf, and we've sent 90,000 emails to legislators to tell them to co-sponsor this bill and finally pass it after 20 years. This has never been done by ASPCA, Humane Society. No big groups have um, spent time on this. They really don't want to pass, to be honest. If they did, they'd have it done. And, um, and it, you know, we, we're we supposed to up. live in a representative republic, like go represent, right? And, and you were know, the citizens. Yep. And I think that's, I think it's a pretty cool thing that you're trying to get done. So kudos. I, yep. 
And I know I sound really passionate about it, but it's, it's so important. And the bill's sitting there. It can go to the floor for a vote. 80% of Americans want it. And, and that's why we're working right now with equine because we just were such horse lovers. And people sort of say, what about other animals? It's like, well, let's work on a bill that is 80% of Americans want. It's bipartisan to have enough co-sponsors, yet it's sitting in both committees for no reason other than there's never been enough public awareness about it. So we've actually had 14 million people reached on social media with our campaign and um, Nancy Pelosi's heard about it and I really do think we can pass this bill and that will hopefully be before five years, Kyle. I can see that happening in the next 12 months at the longest. Um, the next five years, um, I think our next mission will be uh, working with the saving, rescued and abused animals, um, expanding our farm here, our ranch here. Um, we're hoping to get probably next door and to get it to like 100 acres extra and just expanding that into a retreat center with equine therapy. Um, I guarantee you at least one, if yeah. not two of my sons are going to come be interns at your uh, rescue Perfect. ranch. Like that, we'll take them. That's it. We'll oh, take yeah, them. take them and put them to work. I mean, honestly, just yep. abuse them. <laughs> yep, we will. We would love to. They can come work with us. So we want to have a retreat center, for, like a healing center. And the funny thing is part of that is, of course, having lost Gary Strong, we want to have what Siri had access to. She was so lucky when she went through the treatment because not everybody has access to that. We want it accessible to everybody, at least locally. So we're going to kind of have like a biohacking center. It's a terrible name, but we're going to have a center of healing there with the horses as well, a retreat center. They can come and stay and really just give back to those in need. And it, it might be cancer patients. It might be PTSD. It might be, um, you know, anyone suffering from addiction. And that's our big five-year goal. Um, and it was kind of a 10-year goal five years ago. And we're kind of moving towards that now. And uh, I can just see us having, um, just touching so many more people um, and just helping people heal. So that's our that's our long-term goal. And Siri and I have the exact same vision. So it's if we showed you a, <laughs> it wasn't really a business plan, but a vision board of what we both Sorry, wanted. I can't do oh, that. That was Siri. Sorry, that was my phone. <laughs> um, we have exactly the same vision. So it's pretty awesome. That is yeah. cool. So before we end, and I like I, I, I so love it that you're on with me today. It's been it's been too long, honestly, yeah. honestly. And I, and I we had to make this appointment. And then you tried to reschedule on me and all this kind of stuff. Oh, oh my god! Because we had someone adopting a horse yesterday. I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that we I get just... to see Carl for like two minutes because he's literally on after my wife, and it's like Siri gets off, then Carl's like, hey, hey, hey and then see, ya. And then Carl's on stage, so it's like a quick transition. <laughs> So I think I think one of the great takeaways from your story is you've taken a very non-standard path with your life. It's one of the things um, I talked to my sons about, and they, you know, they they're they're young. They're I got two teenagers and one eleven-year-old, and I tell them, I said, look, I'm a, I'm not your judge. I'm your God-appointed life coach, and I don't I don't judge you. And I was like, there, you don't. There's no standard path now, and you have more freedom to do what you want. And I read Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss. And one of the things I thought was fascinating about the book is some, some people who are like super famous, super wealthy now, they didn't know what the hell they were doing until they were 40, 45 years old. Um, Colonel Sanders, who did Kentucky Fried Chicken, he didn't create that franchise until he was like, I know it's so yummy. He didn't create that until he was like 65 years old. And so there's I love that story. I love that story. It's just a good story. Tony tells it how we got so many rejections. Yeah. Like, Well, I mean, it's just, there's just, you know, there's non-standard. And I think one of the things is, is that we, we cling to certainty and we try to establish these paradigms for the way life should be. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's no way it should be, it should be your way. And 
you're going to trip and fall down and screw up and you're going to make mistakes. And so what? You only get one life. Just go out there and stumble your way through it. Try to create goals. Sometimes they work out. Sometimes they don't. And the more passionate you are, the, the better they, the, the better you get. So, and the better they get and the more success you start getting traction eventually. And then the car just starts going on down the road. And the um, universe supports you, Carl. Like when, when you know you're on the right path and you know this from your business, like when we decided that we we're going to do something greater than ourselves, you're healing humans, we're healing humans through horses. Um, the universe honestly conspired for you. Well, like, I, th- I think you said yes. it. I think you said it. I said it, it, it sounds almost cliche, but it's, 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 <sighs> um, it's not. Um, when you're, when you're serving a vision that you know is bigger than you. So osteo strong and what we're doing, this isn't Kyle Zagrodsky. I'm serving this. I'm a, I'm a humble steward of the concept, um, and what it does. And I see how it changes lives and the, the stories and stuff. And it just, I, it's a get to, um, and so mm-hmm. it really does become your pull energy. There's no more push energy to get things done. It just pulls you exactly. forward. It's super fun. Um, and I, it's super gratifying. I mean, you just, you just walk around the state of gratitude all the time. It's freaking awesome. What, what is it that you would leave, leave everybody with? I mean, you're, you, you've led the non-standard life. And I think that your example, as many others, you're unique. Um, what would you like to tell everybody who's watching this to leave them with? Um, kind of what your big takeaway, your favorite quote, your story, mm-hmm. or anything that you could say that, uh, that would just make mm-hmm. us cry, make us laugh, inspire us. It's all on you, Beck. Just go for yeah, it. <laughs> I don't really have quotes. My wife's, the, my wife's the queen of quotes. But um, I just think, like, and it still does sound cliche again, but if you have a deep enough love and passion for what your goal is or what you'd like to achieve and you will not let anything get in the way, but you have it has to be an eight. It has to be so, so deep. And you've got to be so connected to that mission. Like, I never thought, how are we going to end horse slaughter? I was like, we are going to end horse slaughter. And as soon as we stated that out loud, we were like, shit. Okay, let's every single day we make sure there's like a hundred things we're doing that is moving towards that. It doesn't matter if it's little or big, it's usually pretty little, but every single day, it's the same with training. Like every day I was like, let's get better. If it's even if it's a recovery easy day, I can do this the best way I can. I've got to, you know, get my compression boots on and do this and do that. But with the same with what we're doing now with saving horses, it's like every single day just doing something towards that goal. And don't always don't focus on how you're going to do it. Just do something every single day. Well, that's I think too is never goal. think a goal is too big, right? Never. They're always too big. Like dreams are they always too be, big. They got to scare the shit out of you. Yeah, me. if your dreams don't scare the shit out of you, they're too small. Exactly. Um, they should. And, and you, have to, you have to state them too. I think Siri saying, mom, I want to be a world champion. Her mom looked at her and laughed, but you have to make that statement to the universe and to yourself because then you're it's even more driven to do it. Once we said, we're going to end horse slaughter. It's like, we're not going back on that. Like I made that promise to me and to all these beautiful horses. So oh, I mean, that's awesome. Too. I appreciate that. Yeah. And I think too, that um, one thing that Sometimes people don't know what they want. Like, well, what if I know what you want? Yeah. And then that question yeah. I have back towards that is, yeah. who are you? Mm-hmm. Not who anybody says you are. Not who, what would you get, grade you got in high school or college. Not how you, you got fired or whatever from job. Like, who are you? Mm-hmm. Adjectives. Let's go. Who are you? Your, your creator, your mother, your father, your entrepreneur. You are... Yep. 
amazing just and you have to believe that's who you are and when you start understanding who your essence is as a as a god created being um then your passion just sort of bubbles to the surface you're like going that's who i am that's what i want it's happening i wasn't created for nothing i'm going to go ahead and pull down lightning bolts and make this happen and that's what you and siri are doing which is super cool I love you guys so much. I'm so glad I met you at Date with Destiny that crazy week. Oh my gosh. It's just been a, it's been amazing. And seeing you guys transform. Yeah, you saying I've got something massive and we're all like, yeah, everybody says that to us. <laughs> you were right though. I was talking about my biceps now. <laughs> yeah. You are very right to think but I want to thank you, Kyle, because we haven't even got to talk about osteostrong. But um I wanna thank you because this is the honest truth. I actually considered going back to professional sport after about six months of osteostrong because I literally saw for any athletes out there that understand this terminology, my functional threshold power on the bike was higher than it was when I was, now I'm going to give it away and everyone's going to go and we're going to, this is going to, they're going to break my record again. But no, I, my FTP, my functional threshold power on the bike, which is measured and it's, it's something you can use as a measure. It's very specific using the same equipment was higher with the same weight after six months of osteostrong that it was when I was freaking racing and I was like, I'm going to come back. Oh, my God. And now yeah. we have all the top professionals here doing it. But other gains we've seen is in series. Mom, 78 years old. You should see the guns on her now. Like, they're so lean and strong. She almost breaks our bonnet when she shuts the, the, the trunk now. Like, <laughs> I told you that story. And she's, like, holding our little horse, our little filly, who used to, like, pull her over. I see her out there walking, Angel saying, come here, come here, because she can actually hold that strength. And she has torn rotator cuffs, so she's got a lot of issues. But this has just been such well, a I'm big... Curious, um, I'm going to tell a funny story about you in a second. Um, but uh, <laughs> you, you tore calf muscles, right? Oh, God. And that was, like, the inj- injury that ended your career mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and i'm curious how um now you're not obviously i'm assuming you're not training like you were training in the past oh, well, but, um, but uh, probably running the same distance wise i have not had one calf tip that was the other thing i used to tweak it every three months i had tw- probably 20 calf strains and two or three good tears maybe five or six every race the last race i limped to the finish of the marathon um on a torn calf and it's gone. Like I don't even feel a twinge. Like, I actually push myself on turnovers now, even though I'm not that fit, just to see. And it's just there's nothing. And I remember tearing it before I did osteo at Tony Robbins events. I'd go so dehydrated. I'd go running because you know how dehydrated you get. And I remember tearing it in an event before I started doing osteo. I was like, oh, not again. And now, and I had honestly had this is no word of a lie. I've had two massive disc bulges in L4 or L5 with huge sciatic on my entire life, and I've done nothing different but osteo-strong and I used to be in so much pain that I would have to sit in a chair like this because it would just hurt my back, my QL, my quadratus. It's completely gone. It's completely gone. So if you don't do it, you're just, you're stupid. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate (laughs) that. I remember. So just a quick funny story and then I'm going to end it because anybody's watching this. We probably don't have anybody watching it. It's like, when are these people going to shut up? So, um, So I met you guys at Date with Destiny. And we were yapping along and, and you're, what do you do? What do you do? Kind of thing. And I told you about osteostrong and, and I'm telling you about it and you're like, okay, I've never heard of this before. And I train world-class athletes. So it's kind of like, whatever. <laughs> right. It was like 12 to 18 months later, you finally got to go try it. Now there was none in Colorado at the time. So you guys actually drove down, 
to Albuquerque, did a session, and then you called me a week later, and you said, Kyle, what the F is going on? You did like 40% more dumbbell flies in like a yeah, week later. Really it was- I, still didn't, I still wasn't convinced, but I told you that, and I was like, ah, I don't know. And then when I started to see my threshold power go up on the bike, I'm like, yeah, in the- I said, scary. I'm not telling anyone about this. It's like this, I'm coming back to the sport, and I'm going to win a world title because this stuff is like, will yeah, be yeah I, used, I used a quote that I probably shouldn't have quoted, but you it was do like, that, oh, and Ostia Strong will pay for everything. <laughs> Uh, that would well, be- you already have this. Okay, the guy who's doing it here, Tim O'Donnell, he was second last year, and he didn't want to tell anyone about it because it's so incredible. Him and Miranda Carfrey, four-time world champion, but she's pregnant again. He's going to come back, and he's going to win next year. He's going to beat Jan Perdana, the German, because and I honestly will. Most of that will be because he's honestly doing osteo strong, and now every pro athlete's going to want to do it because To it's out of the box now. To everyone knows. Yeah, you had the fastest bike split in Kona last year after doing it for just under a year. So I've had a, a lot of athletes. They get such incredible performance gains that they want to keep it a secret. It becomes their secret weapon. They don't want. I'm like, when you tell anybody, they're like, no, no. And yeah. I'm like, come on, man. Like, you can help people. I'm like, I don't want to help my competitors. I want to destroy them. That's yeah. why I'm an athlete. We just like. I hope it doesn't like open up in Germany close to these big events because then we're all the Germans will get onto it. Then we'll be in trouble. But yeah, no. Everyone deserves to be a part of it. And even just for me now, it's just um, staying healthy, keeping my bones strong. I got strong bone density anyway, but just my ligaments, my tendons, getting rid of my disc issues. Well, that's the I it's actually, the injuries. That was my motivation. It was the injuries. Yeah, I went to my yeah. injuries. So my I was my just, twin sister, Kyle, for example. My twin sister's always been a little taller than me. I'm like this much. I'm almost an inch taller than her now. High five. That's a big <laughs> deal. Does. You know, yeah. whenever you could beat your siblings, that's an important day. <laughs> it is. I don't care as much now at 51 years old because I'm the youngest. And now that, you know, like my oldest brother, he's almost 60. And I'm like, okay, this isn't fun anymore. I don't like seeing yeah. my brothers get old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, I love you. Please, uh, please tell Siri I said hi. I miss you guys so much. Um, so we'll see you soon and thank you so much for being on today. You guys mean so Thanks much for to me. Having me. All right. Thanks, take Kyle. care back.